Hi, this is Gary. I'm a convicted felon, and this is Convicted Conversations. We're going to be talking about recidivism and reentry. Um, we're going to be hearing a few stories um, published by Deborah Maynard um, back in August of 2017. Um, she went around and talked to several people about, you know, how they grew up and. Um, why they keep going back and forth to jail. My mother, me and six other siblings, uh, you know, no food in the fridge, you know, WIC, welfare, things of that nature. You know, it was hard, you know, force a motherfucker to go to the streets, man. And, you know, and fit for themselves and grind from the bottom, you know. You know, as a little boy, you know, you put the whole family on your back, you feel like you're the man of the house. So, you know, you gotta take control and you gotta, you gotta get out there and go get it. My mom, she just kept me alive. My mom kept me safe. Did you have any men in your life who taught you how to be men? Nah, most of the men in my life molested me and raped me and used me and misled me. I always thought men would be my father, you know, somebody, well, he could be my father, he could be my friend, and I was like seven years old, eight years old, nine years old, all the way up, dude, to my teens, until I was a little bit after 14. That's when 14 is when I started hitting the streets a lot harder. And I got involved with another woman. She was 20, 23. I was 14. And I stayed with her for six years when I was 14 to 20. That's when you tell me put you on the crack, man. Yeah. Yeah. She was, <laughs> she was a smoker, man. Back, you know, free base is just too nice. When you, you know, it is true when you send them a crackhead. But um, today, like, that was an ignorant way to say things, crawling people crackhead and dope fiends, whatever. Like, today we just, I'm an addict. That's what I am today. When you give it a proper name, a name, a fighting name. An addict is a fighting name. You know what I mean? So, she got me on that, man. She was freebasing, dude. I was only 14. I fell in love. She was into the sex, I was more into the relationship and found out she was using and I went down there and used with her. After that, it was all gone. Selling, hustling, stealing, robbing, doing all that after that. All that, just prison, streets, prison, streets, prison, streets. <laughs> Come out March 1st, get my shit March 2nd. Out of my mom's house, my mom had my stuff in the rice. <laughs> I come home the next day, she bailed me out. I came home the next day, grabbed my shit, went down there on the 3rd and got locked up again for about another couple months. And she bailed me out of that too. Most of your uh, your cases, are they on drugs? Every one of them. No violence. Never had a violent offense. Never had a violent offense. <clears throat> we were a tight-knit family. We um, always sat down and ate dinner together. We were in when the street lights came on. You know, it was very strict, structured. Um, but family had a, a meaning to it. Um, Christmas was special. Everything was special. Once my father passed away, there was no structure. Um, my mom, who really never had a job, had to go out and get a job. And uh, it was usually on a third shift where, you know, she was sleeping during the daytime and everybody, as far as the kids, were running the streets or doing whatever they wanted to at night. I think my, the death of my father and, and us having to be and figure out what a man was, um, we were we were all in our own struggle, you know. It was a progression um, for him and getting in trouble. Like, he didn't just go out there and just get in trouble. Uh, I think he was like, uh, 
maybe 12 when he started uh, selling drugs, you know? And what was he selling? Uh, crack. Crack, weed, whatever was selling, he was selling it, you know? Family life changed when they all went away. And just me knowing that my baby brother is doing, you know, 20 years, like, in a prison, it scared me, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, I can't, I can't touch him, you know what I mean? I can't hug him, I can't go get him, or, you know what I mean? It's like, you're helpless, the, you know, you're just a kid, you know? He was one of the main source of income for the family. It was a big uh, impact on the house where, you know, he wasn't there. Like, what are they going to do now? So it sent everybody into a, a, a kind of a, a panic. You understand? Okay, these these are these are the five tough guys that you got to deal with. And if even if you're a tough guy, you got that multiplied times by a million. You got to deal with those egos, those millions and billions of different personalities every day. The most heartened, worstest criminals that you can think of. You know what I mean? That's your job. I, I need you to tell me how the jails is. I, after the F, I got you on speaker, on the camera. Well, I already know this shit's nutty, man. This shit knocked off. Shit in the way. Man, like, they locking y'all down. Like, explain how shit going down, bro. CO's yelling, courts going out. 4.30 in the morning, gotta get stripped out. Squat cough, lift your nuts, then you get shipped out. Shackled and cuffed on that bus with the craziest doubts. In your mind, you thinking, damn, my life on the line. You got your son, your daughter, your mom, your wife on your mind. You got a body, you got caught with the nine, so it's life on your mind. My perspective of life is like back then when I was I was, I was thinking like and basically like I was gonna live a long life if I get money and stay out of the way. Still away from like the shooting and stuff, but I didn't plan how I wanted it to plan. Nobody just sell, sell drugs on the streets and don't go to jail or get killed, so I wasn't expecting I was expecting even one of them, so I took it like, yo, this shit is crazy. I'm done. Like, I'm sick right now, like I ain't never coming home, man. I'm done. He he never showed that as a child that he would be the one who followed in our footsteps because he never really clung to us like our other little brother. You know, he was one of those little kids who took his own route. He was really in love with the video games and the, the, the sports and the, want to go to the park and play on the monkey bars. He. He wasn't the kind of kid that wanted to jump in the back seat and ride around the hood with us and things of that nature. That's why it was shocking to me when I was in jail and I heard that he had to experience the shit that I was going through. Before he went in, you know, Kev used to be running around. He wasn't really, you know. He was just like a regular kid. You know, he started getting the times changed, money started getting short. The family couldn't provide the nice sneaks. You know, that kind of hurt when, you know, 
and you got to call home and you hear your family got to go through the shit that you went through and you really don't think they ready for that because you know the penitentiary make a man out of a little boy and man and when he went up there he was a little kid you know lucky that he only had to go to a, a juvenile state penitentiary but the penitentiary is the penitentiary you know it's rough at Pine Grove, I probably was like the third youngest up there. Third youngest up there. I was like about 15 or 15. Like, oh, when I went to, by the time I went to Dope Block, I probably like 16, 17. And I was still the youngest over there. So, yeah, so always like, when they see me come over there, like, damn, young boy, how long you got? I told them, I told them two and a half to five. He said, damn, young boy, what you do? I told him my case and all that. He's like, damn, young boy, they started schooling me to the game. Like, listen, you can't be doing that shit because niggas got life. I was in an environment where basically like the seals control everything, so. It depends on how, on them how the days show go long. I was taking heed to all that though. I ain't ever visited because I ain't with my mom come up here. She like she like my brothers. They get the balls. They do their thing. They get they get locked up. She go see them all the time. She come back a little sad. I seen it before, so I'm like, no man, mom, don't come see me. She kept, she told me like she told me like I want to come see you. I want to come see you. I'm like, no, mom, I don't want to come see you. I want you to come see me because I know how you is. You probably start crying after you get a visit. I ain't trying my mom go do nothing like that. So I said, no, I'll be home in no time. Like, I ain't had a visit. Where you at Camp Hill and go to, and specifically Greaterful, they be like, where you been looking at? They look at the baby and say, where you going? I say, Greaterful. They look at you and says, okay, we have to write down here. Where do you want your, um, where do you want your body sent to? And I said, my body? He said, yeah, you, yeah. I said, man, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to not send it nowhere. <laughs> I'd like to take it all home with me. What did you really say? No, I really said, um, I gave you an address. <laughs> that's what I figured you did. Yeah, that's what you gotta give the address. Over a course of a year, I had upwards of like, you know, 15 or so, maybe even 20 cellmates. Like, not even like, you know, not people you know, not people that you, you, you know, have seen before. We're talking about, man, you had to be open to be, you know, be able to adapt to living with just anybody, man. Some people stayed, you know, for, for no time. Like they stayed not even an hour. You know what I'm saying? You had to be, I mean, either way, you had to be down to like, do whatever, fight, whatever, however it may go. But in one year, man, I had like 15 or 20 of them, straight up. Like, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, there'd be nights, man, you can't even sleep. You got a strange man in your cell, man, you sleeping. You gotta sleep right there with this dude. Like this dude's like on your bunk, like right above you. I can't explain it, man. It's like, it's, it's, it's really fucked up. In that little ass space, where you got a shit right there with the man. You gotta piss right there with that man, strange ass man, can you imagine? Like, motherfuckers wouldn't want to, you know, talk or speak to somebody they don't know, let alone, like, discovering, you know, you know what would be the, you know, the worst of the worst, and they put them right in your cell with you. Like, anything's possible. Well, I had a, I had a celly, man, that was, um, you know, we had been selling for some time, man, and uh, in the middle of the night, you know, I can't remember what time it was, it was late at night, it was probably 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night, man, I was looking at TV, he was on top bunk, and then all of a sudden he just kind of got down. And I don't know what he was talking about, like some kind of like, you know, just being disrupted. I don't know if I was making too much noise on looking at TV or something, I don't know. But again, we was cool people, like we was cool. You know, he just got down, 
And the process of him getting down, I was kind of just rolling over. I don't know if I was going to sleep or whatever. And he started stabbing me. Like, just like that. You know what I'm saying? Literally started stabbing me. Like, for no, like, and then it's at a point where I didn't know what was going on and just like immediately panicked. You know what I'm saying? And I had to, feel like I had to defend myself. But in the sense, like, can you imagine being locked in the cell, man, 12 o'clock at night? And a motherfucker that, you know, you think you know and is just spazzing out, stabbing you. He stabbed me with an antenna, a TV antenna with tape around it. It was sharp as shit. And it was like, what the fuck? Like, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, in the course of that night, you know what I'm saying? We definitely, you know what I'm saying, went back and forth and, and fought the rest of that night. But it was like, a, a feeling like, man, this guy's going to kill me in here. You told me, you said... Else, you can't do that much time. That's a lot of time. You didn't think you were going to come home from Greater Fertitia? <laughs> you didn't think I was going to come home from Greater Fertitia? I was certainly praying for it. Sometimes you got to go through. I always tell my wife, I tell my mom, and I sometimes for a child or for a teenager, for anybody to learn what it is to live today, man, I mean, I guess sometimes you just gotta hit them bumps and rides, man. You gotta stumble, you gotta go through these experiences because nothing nothing more of a motivator than an experience in your life. You could always get inspired and motivated by others, by how they walk now, how they live their life today and all that. But to but to know how they got there, they don't know. Some some teenager now don't even have the patience to go through what I went through or what any other people have went through that struggle and, and doing okay. They, they, you gotta go through it sometimes. You just gotta hit that. Face it. Face those problems, face it, man. And, and you'll see how things get better. Things get better, dude. Prison was a place to think, man. You think a lot in prison. You think a whole lot, dude. Getting out of jail could be difficult. You're really coming back to the same things that triggered a, a, a lot of the problems that you had. I mean, you're coming back to an area where there's really no job prospects. Uh, you know, you're going right back into the narcotic trade because that, that's, you know, the only economy in some of these neighborhoods. That's all that you know. You're going back with the same people. So, I mean, it's not like you're coming back to a better situation. They're not. We don't know what they're coming home to. We don't know if their family is in stable housing. Well, they're going to need housing. That's another problem because they can't. If the family is already, like, say, in low-income housing, then they can't come home and go in low-income housing because they're felons. So there's a strike right there. They come home trying to figure out, oh, where am I going to go? You see what this damn thing is? This is something the felons got to fucking carry on them at all times. If I walk around, right, and I ain't got this goddamn yellow card on me and I get stopped by the police, it's 90 days automatically in jail, right? and $300 fine. It says criminal registration certificate. This is letting the cops know in Philadelphia, hey, I'm back. When you're in jail, your head is at the clearest it's gonna be. Like, you, you don't have any substances in you, no drinks and no drugs and none of that. And you're very level-minded and you're making good decisions now. And all your old ambitions and goals start to fall back into place. You know what I mean? You start to get back in touch with yourself while you're gone. And now you're just anticipating to come home and just attack. 75% of state prison releases are nonviolent offenders.
say? I got my green shit, what I say? I got my green shit. It's, it ain't it basically said what not to do and what to do and my date. Once I see my date, I'm like, whoa, I'm gonna go home. Like, so that means my brain going to overtime. Like, come home, it's gonna be like fun, nigga. Like, yo, Kev, what up, yo? Yeah, we do, what's up, we do, like girls all lined up everywhere. Lined up everywhere, like niggas, what's up, yo? Man, it wasn't like them when I came home, man. It was looking all dim out here, dirty out here. Oh, man, niggas ain't really showing love. A lot of things changed around here, man. Three years. And I seen the projects. I walked swung off that bus. I said, my God, like this project's all dirty. Like nobody outside. Like it was so crazy. I'm thinking like, what the hell? Like I had an image of like me coming home, everybody out there, yo, what up, yo? Chilling and all that, be partying and all that, but it wasn't like that, man. I come home, niggas dead. Niggas locked, everybody locked up. So yeah, that's crazy. Life in the hood. Option is to get this fucking money or be in the way and don't get no pussy. You feel what I'm saying? If you want to get some pussy, you got to dress like me. You got to look live like me. You got to get money like me. This shit crazy. I don't got no fucking job, but you see these pockets, man. This shit on Monkville. Like, this shit, this one day, this one day. And my shoes, though. You feel what I'm saying? This is what I'm doing. I'm doing this. I'm counting this money, man. If you don't play ball, if you don't box real good like Kasim, yeah. And that's real rap. When Big said that, and that was 15 years ago, he was dead up. Like, it really ain't no option. You gotta really stick to your guns. It's hard. I, I know it's hard for me as an adult. I know it gotta be a bitch for a young dude coming home from jail. And and all he got is his homies. He's not gonna stay in the house with his parents. You know what I mean? He's not staying in the house. You wanna be outside. You wanna be out. You wanna see the world. But the world that we living in right now is like a lot of negativity waiting for you. You know what I mean? So it's hard, man. It's real hard. You just gotta keep a real strong mind, man. It takes a strong mind out here, yo. Within one year of being released, 44% of offenders are rearrested. Within three years of being released, 67.5% of offenders are rearrested. I'm still learning. I'm still growing now. I'm 43. I should have been knowing this like she know it today. But she don't understand that I was robbing most of my childhood, so it's hard to let go of something that I never had. And she don't understand that. But what I'm saying when I take off, that's crazy. That is crazy, dude. That is crazy. But I'm okay with it. I want her to understand that I'm okay with the way she says, well, you need to be out. She taught me, but when I told you just recently, I have no need to be out there. I got everything I want right here. Everything that I want is really here. It's just that some of that lifestyle sometimes fools me. That lifestyle, want to get high, just want to run wild, just do what the fuck I want to do. Don't want to pay nothing, don't don't want to give nothing. Don't you know? Matter of fact, I just want to take and keep going and take and keep going. Yeah. Imagine a woman, you know, just wishing it was legal to kill somebody. Always planning a way to want to kill me because of how much pain I inflicted her with. I inflicted her with some terrorizing pain, dude. So that's why I said that's why I always told her, I know how I'm gonna die. I know why I'm not dead today. I feel as though I'm gonna die suffering. I'm gonna, I'm gonna suffer the worst pain of all, dude. I'm gonna feel everybody's pain in one shot. That's how I look at my my my, my future death. Pain, pain. There's nothing gonna be easy for me, cause I never made it easy for nobody. Nobody, dude. Nobody was exempt from my wrath of my addiction, dude.
Even if I'm not an addict, even if I was never an addict and I was just a drug dealer, it's the same thing as the other young guy who's still pulling it because the streets is pulling him. The homies are pulling him. When the homies keep trying to pull out these knot of monies and all this and all the bitches and all the cars and all the jewelry and all that, it's all that. And I know I'm pretty sure that it's pulling him. It's, it will pull him sooner or later. And then, then you got the moments in the situation where you're broke. Your, your, your girl's hollering at you because she ain't got nothing to eat or she ain't got nothing to wear or her kids need pampers or this and that, you gotta get a job and he's struggling to get a job and all he knows is to get this quick five, seven hundred dollars right now as you go down the way and start slinging again for like one half hour. So it, it's it, it's gonna give a young guy who hustles an idea to, uh, okay, I'll do it for one hour. I'll just do it for one hour and I'll escape. And and it's a possibility that you can escape for one hour. And they hook they hooked on that. And then you come back for another hour, and then you'd be another hour and a half. Then you come back and then once you once you taste it again, dude, it's gonna be hard to get out. And that's the grab, that's that pulling grab, that's how it is. It's, it it pulls you, but it only gives you, it teases you first, because it wants you to want more and more and more. My back to your mama on the crack and your daddy said ping, hear the refrigerator sing. It's just you, your mother, and your siblings. So as a man, you gotta sell grams to get green. Now you on a block with the vultures. At any moment, a head could get knocked off your shoulder. And all you try to do is sell a boulder and the big boys bully you because they a little older. So then you go invest in the toaster and your heart get colder. You become a little bolder. Like if a nigga step the meat and it's over, I'ma die for this block. I'm a motherfucking soldier. A lot of kids grew up without their fathers um, for whatever reason or another. Um, the daddies are not around. Um, maybe they were in the streets chasing that fast money, um, busting licks, going up the road, doing scripts scamming whatever the case is um but at the end of the day their logic is that they're doing it for the kids that they doing it for their families um the women will say something different but you let the guys tell it is for the family i'm trying to tell you guys to stay out here do what you gotta do you don't have to go to prison you don't have to go to jail um you can sit out here and you could work a, a regular job and still be productive in society. I promise you, you don't have to keep um, going back and forth to jail. You could stay right out here with your families, with your girls, friends, your wives, your kids, and not have to go to jail. You don't have to work for free. Recidivism is up because a lot of guys can't find anywhere to live. They can't find a decent job to make um, the wages that they were accustomed to when they were a part of the street life. Nobody makes the money that they were making, especially if you were a big time drug dealer. You're not gonna be able to make that type of money, probably, not saying it's not possible, but the chances are you won't be able to make that same exact money that you were making when you were out on the streets doing illegal stuff to get it. You won't be able to make that money no more unless you're working a good corporate job and you're making 60, 70, 80,000, 100,000 a year. Not saying that you can't work at McDonald's, Burger King, Winn-Dixie, Home Depot, one of those jobs and not come up. Not saying that you can't come up in that environment because any job, if you work hard enough and you have a good work ethic, you can come up you can be the supervisor you could be the floor manager you can be the 
call center manager. You could be the manager of a, a huge um, spot like um, FedEx or Home Depot or um, Office Max or you name it, Public, Sam's. It's a bunch of jobs out there that pay good, especially if you put in a lot of time with that company. That's for the people that want to move up. But then you have those people that, you know, they don't mind making $10 an hour, $12 an hour, $14 an hour. And they content with just making that for the rest of their life as long as they're living comfortably. Everybody don't want to be a millionaire. I get it. What I'm trying to say is that if we stay out here and work some type of job and not focus on getting that fast dollar and doing whatever it takes to get it in a negative way, if we can focus and put that energy into something positive and finding a job and staying out here, staying out here to raise our own kids and not the system, recidivism will go down. The re-entry rates will go down. Kids will start having their fathers again in their lives around full time. You know, I know men and women don't always get along and a lot of the times, a lot of the fathers, you know, they leave because, you know, a lot of the stuff that's going on between the two parents but again, the kids are getting the brunt of that. The kids are getting the tail end of all of the arguing and the dramas. Um, a lot of the parents are going through income tax issues right now. And the kids are gonna suffer at the end of the day. For whatever reason, the parents are going through it for, the kids are suffering. The kids are out on the street trying to find families because they feel they don't have one at home. They go to prison and jail and they have families in there. They find guys that seem to care about them, although they're tricking them into believing that they're family and you know we're gonna do right by you, but it's all game that they're running on. But they've never been in that environment, so they don't know. They don't know somebody running game. They think this person is being nice. But again, if we let people know what's going on inside of those prisons before these kids get a felony, if we let them know what's going on outside, if they choose to get a felony and once they get out, life is not going to be all peaches and cream. It's going to be hard to find a job. It's going to be hard to find somewhere to live and recidivism will continue to rise. I'm trying to stop it. Um, I know I don't have the power that, you know, a lot of the others have Jay-Z, Van Jones, um, um, Robert Kraft and you know a lot of the other guys out there um but i do have a voice and a lot of a lot of the people that have been listening to my podcast have been sharing they have been um commenting about it they have been stopping me um letting me know that they like what i'm doing so i see that is is making a, an improvement i don't know how much an improvement um but once i start seeing the stats and in the future you know i check out future stats then i'll know you know i have been noticing that less and less guys have been going to prison black guys in particular have been going to prison they've been staying out here so that is a plus i'm not sure why the change um but that's a it's a positive thing and a lot of these kids won't have to grow up with with just one parent they'll be able to get both sides of the male and female perspective um and all i ask you guys to do is share this page 
like it continue to listen um if you can subscribe download it um there is a place on my page where you can send donations every little bit helps um like a lot of guys are getting out of jail and they are going to need ways to work they are going to need clothes um bus passes you name it they're going to need it need it um so every little bit counts thank you for guys for listening to me share spread the word as much as possible if anyone needs me to come out and speak to your schools if anyone needs me to come out and talk to your kids um, no matter what college or high school or charter school it is i'm available you can reach me at g m c d o n a l d 480 at gmail.com i'm always here to help and continue listening to my podcast convicted conversations thank you for your time and you have a wonderful day